Revolutionary.org podcast coming your way, episode 530. And this one, we're going to be doing the do's and don'ts of cycling steroids. So we're going to give you five really good do's and don'ts. And it's going to be a really, really good show on this one. So, Monster, first one is don't copy pros. So touch on that a little bit. I'll bring you in first to talk a little bit about this one. I'll start real simple, Steve. First off, what we call pro-level cycles, and not every pro is doing this, but a lot are, is too long on cycle, too high of a dosage, and they're competing. And that's just right there. Then you've got uh, genetics. You do not have pro-like genetics. And pro-like genetics include the ability to have these volumes of steroids, the ability to stay on for a long time, the ability, as in one or two examples, to use such a tiny amount and still look like a professional bodybuilder. And if you don't have those genetics, if you're not competing, if it's financially, as I will touch on very briefly, not worth your while, why are you doing these things? And will you get the same results? And the obvious answer to that is no. Let me do the financial one, Steve. And I've actually done this in voluntary youth work. If you and I have talked about professional level athletes, not just bodybuilders, but pro uh, ball players, uh, basketball, soccer, you name it. You're getting $100,000 a week. And your time on the pitch, your time on the field is limited. 10, maybe 15 years. That's the whole of your career then what you're doing is you're working towards when you're going to be doing nothing at the end of your career for the next 20 or so years, and you potentially have this huge risk for injuries. So the argument becomes using PEDs to support your career as an athlete kind of makes sense, and you can get be monitored. You can have a doctor on staff, and you can have a nutritionist on all these kind of things. But the typical Joe, no. It, does, it doesn't make any sense to me, Steve. So... And, and again, we will occasionally also hear of stuff that pros shouldn't have done. And we can think of a couple of examples. Dallas McCarver is a good example. When they absolutely shouldn't have been doing the things that they were doing, and that's with their level of genetics, their level of finance, their in time and investment in their career, which, again, the typical Joe does not have. What about you, Steve? What do you think? So, look, I mean – you look at a professional hockey player, professional soccer player, professional football player, MMA, boxer, all this stuff. It's not like bodybuilding because if I told you to just go do what a professional bodybuilder does, people actually believe that, yeah, if I train the way they do, if I eat the way they do, if I take the amount of steroids they take, I'm going to look like them. And bodybuilding is the only sport out there where people actually believe that. Like nobody believes that I can follow what a professional MMA guy does and then I'm going to magically be out there in the ring knocking Conor McGregor, you know, or I'm not going to be in the boxing ring knocking out Mike Tyson at his prime. You know, like nobody believes that people will be fucking nuts to do that. Or nobody believes that I'm going to be the next Tom Brady if I just follow what Tom Brady's. Or I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. I'm going to be able to dunk a basketball, um, you know, ten, you know, jump ten foot high and dunk, dunk a basketball. Yeah. And nobody believes that. But like for bodybuilding, because and a lot of that is nonstop marketing for the past fifty years. Yes. Supplement these, these bodybuilding magazines have made people believe this. Bodybuilding magazines 
basically have manipulated and the supplement companies have manipulated and lied to people for so many years. And they've made people think that these bodybuilders look the way they do because they're taking this or that supplement. But really, the bodybuilder didn't get the way he did off that supplement. He got that way off other factors, mostly genetics. And the genetics are going to be the key. But nobody thinks, yeah, nobody thinks you can take a supplement and be the next Tom Brady. But people actually believe that in bodybuilding yeah. because of Mark. I've got magazines, as Steve knows, that goes back 100 years, bodybuilding magazines, 120 years, I believe, Steve. And the adverts used to say exactly this. You two can look like me. You two can have a body like me. Now, that's inferred in modern modern advertising and modern promotion. And, of course, how many times have we heard, and we probably said it ourselves, God help us, Steve, way back when we were younger, how many times have we heard youngsters say, the only reason that person's got a bigger arm than me is because of the drugs. The only reason that pro has got a better body than me is because of the drugs. Really? Really? Come on. You don't – Steve just said in the sports. Here's another example, Steve, and we talked about this on podcast, the modern – action hero in a movie you won't look like stallone you will not look like schwarzenegger you will not look like bruce willis you won't look like four out of the four movies in the marvel movies you do you will not look like those guys taking the same drugs that they did to get into shape even doing the same exercise you will look like you you will look like a better version of you and again we're not getting paid $5 million to do a movie or $30 million a year contracts. Ronaldo, something like he's earning £67, about 80 bucks a second on his new contract. I think it's $200 million a year, Steve. You, are, you don't look like him. You don't have his hair. You don't have his football skills. And drugs won't give that to you. So as Steve said, if we accept that as a footballer or, 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 or even a snooker player or dart player, MMA, boxing, all the things that Steve just listed, why do we think it's true in bodybuilding that you can do the drugs that they do and look like them? No, you will look like a better version of you. And a better version of you is not necessarily doing five grams of, of, of uh, anabolic steroids and 30, 40 units per day of insulin or per day of growth hormone. It makes no sense. Here's the issue. And I'll spell this out for, for, for our listeners, Steve. The people that infer that, whether it's in a supplement advert or, or, or your supplier, your man down the gym, your buddy that sources gear for you, the person that's getting commission on the products that they're selling to you or profit from the products that are selling to you, they will infer it. Now, what they should do, and I've said this before, Steve, just for repeat business, is tell you the truth, get you to the best you could possibly be, and then have you as a repeat customer for life versus selling you 20 amps, 20 vials, boxes and boxes of growth hormone, and you not getting to look like you thought you was going to do when you put those two, three thousand dollars down. It makes no sense. Now, again, I, 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 as a competitive athlete, as I've been in the past, and maybe I will be in the future, and Steve's been at a certain particular level, we got to be the best. Now, you, there are and we will do a podcast of this in the future, Steve, there are habits of professionals that you can benefit from. But cycles? No, I don't think so. It's just an indication at best. Half or quarter of the dosages, and then you're kind of getting something vaguely sensible. 
that will probably benefit you. And again, for cycling from pros that you can do would be the way that they are getting into shape for competition. You can use some of those rules, not the doses, but some of the rules to get into shape for what you want to get into shape for. So those are the do's, but are the dose of, in this case, copy and pros. What about you, Steve? Yeah, this is a good topic. We'll definitely have to hit it again. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, people who think like that, they just don't have experience, you know, and and a lot of it, it's marketing. You see, you know, social media, YouTube videos. There's some famous video of Jay Cutler walking around the grocery store and he's buying a bunch of groceries. So now you've got every 20 year old you know, watching that video, be like, yeah, I'm just going to go shop exactly the way Jay Cutler shops. Well, guess what? If you eat what Jay Cutler eats every day, you'll end up sick and obese. That's just the fact. So you've got to just realize that it's, it's a show. It's entertainment, you know, what you're seeing on, uh, on social media. And I think that most of, you know, most of you out there, as you experience life and experience bodybuilding and, 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 and this type of weight training, you'll kind of, uh, you'll realize it. Great topic. We'll have to hit this one again, though, mobster. The next one is a very important topic a do with steroid cycling. And that is make sure post psychotherapy PCT is ready. So the reason number one, you want to make sure your PCT is ready is because we see a lot of guys, a lot of times they'll run a cycle and then they'll be almost toward the end. They'll be like, oh, my God, I need a PCT. What should I do for PCT? So it's important to have it on hand already. These ancillary drugs that we use in PCT, the Clomid, the Novadex, the herbals, the herbal supplements that we use, these are good for years. So there's no need for you to wait till the last minute to buy them. You should buy them ahead of time. And you should buy enough for several cycles. This way you have them on hand. You should also buy your on-cycle ancillaries on hand, the aromacin, for example, the Rimidex. And in case you need these in PCT, you should always have these on hand. You can't go wrong because if estrogen issues start you know, creeping up on you, you're going to have to take something to combat that, whether it's on-cycle or post-cycle. So I think, the, I think the number one point of this one is, Mobster, is you should always have these ancillaries and these herbals and these supplements on hand for on-cycle and post-cycle therapy in case you need them. And you don't have to worry about them going rancid or anything like that. These aren't peptides that go bad in 30 to 45 days. These are, these are you know, drugs that you can store in your closet and they'd be good for years. So always be prepared just in case. And it's really, really good to have these on hand. If you don't have your PCT ready, I think the second point, Mobster, is you run the risk of losing all your hard-fought gains. And it's all because you crash afterwards. So very important to keep it. So I'll let you um, touch on this topic. I'll give you one. Well, I've got two examples here. I will 100% agree with what Steve just said because, trust me, guys, you don't really want to be in a position. I'll give you another example. I've done this, and it was a big mistake on my part, and it wasn't even for the PCT, Steve. It was just for the cycle. I had a competition coming up, and I left ordering what I needed, which was, I think, at that time, many years ago, some Dynabol, and it arrived three days before the cycle needed to start. Three days. Uh, so, you know, I was already in competition prep, and then you got that part where I'm on cycle, so up to the competition, I don't want to be waiting till the day, to the hour 
for my bits and pieces to arrive. So that's number one. I've made that mistake, guys. You want to be ready ahead of time. It's just about being prepared. Number two, what if you have to stop the cycle early? We we have this happen all the time. We get this comes up on the form. I'd say once every couple of weeks, Steve, I need to stop the cycle early because something's come up at work. Something's come up, well, we're doing this, we're doing that. I've got to go off and it's, it happens, guys. You, you, you've got an eight-week or 10-week or 12-week or a 16-week cycle plan and something happens. You have an accident. You break your leg. You go to hospital, you get it fixed, you get the bone reset and you get it put in plaster. Now you can't train legs. So you decide to stop the cycle. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, you can train. You have a leg, you can train your upper body. But let's let's just say you have a reason for stopping a cycle, an emergency, whatever. What, you was going to leave, it's, it's an eight-week cycle, you're four weeks in, and you was going to get the PCT, you know, with a week to go, and now you've had an accident, you've had an emergency, you've got four weeks to go. No, you should have your PCT on hand just in case. Be ready. Sometimes stuff happens in life. There's another one. And there's another one for you, Steve, and actually this applies to my first example. Nine times out of ten, especially if you use an approved source, which we're going to get into uh, as our next topic, the time scale is a couple of weeks. It's usually less. But what about holidays? What about we got postal strikes right now as we do this podcasting every couple of days as a postal strike? So you know, as as an as an example, when I order because I'm not domestic, I'm not based in the US. Orders sometimes take three weeks, sometimes two weeks, sometimes four weeks. Delays, Christmas holidays, international holidays, where it's coming from, holidays here. So there are delays. And again, my products, when I was talking about the first example, arrived three days before the cycle of June start. I want to be realistically ready, Steve, as an absolute minimum, ideally two weeks ahead of time. I want my PCT in place. I want my products in place. I want the AAS. I want the ancillaries, all the things that Steve said. I want to know that it's there, ready. And that's just as... Guys, you wouldn't start baking a cake and halfway through you go have to go and get the eggs. We're talking about putting drugs into our body here as a means to aid our performance. Why are we being half-assed? So we are ready ahead of time. And if you have a supplier, your mate down the gym, are you going to wait until he's got products? You're going to wait for your recommended and approved source to get product. Sometimes they run out. Sometimes they have a sale. And then people go crazy. They go up and buy every single amp of and vial of testenfonate. It's gone. And you've got to wait for them to restock. That occasionally happens, especially with some of our smaller approved sources. They run out. They have to restock. Even the bigger ones restock at the end of the year, Steve. Do not wait to order till they're restocking and then realize you're going to have to wait another two or three weeks. Uh, sites close over Christmas for 20 days sometimes. Do not be in that situation. It's just half ass. It's about not being prepared, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, and um, it's always important to prepare for your cycle and post-cycle. Uh, you should treat your post-cycle as important as your definitely cycle. But a lot of guys, they just give up on PCT. They just stay on. And that's um, that's what happens when you don't take it seriously. You end up just giving up on it completely. So we want to protect your HPTA. So next one is going to be a do uh, to use approved sources. And Mobster, I'll let you talk about this one for a little bit. Why should why should people use approved sources? Again, I can talk from 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 personal experience, Steve. I've told this story in previous podcast. I was given 
completely free. Thank you very much to the person that gave it to me. A bottle, I think at 100 pills of Dynabol, 10 milligram pills of Dynabol. And there was enough in there for me to use. I think I'm going to say it was enough for me three weeks of an eight-week cycle. And I had sensibly, as we just discussed, the rest of the product for the rest of the cycle. But I was going to use these free Dynabol that given to me. Thank you very much. Help me for my competition. And essentially, nothing happened, which meant they were either vastly underdosed or they were just like pills with nothing in them. And I'm training, I'm eating, I don't mind. Weight doesn't go up consistently in a straight line. So sometimes you gain weight, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get strong, sometimes you don't. But so long as the number at the end of the cycle that you're aiming for in competition, in my case, is there, that's all that matters. The body weight for me is not necessarily an issue. So I didn't have to gain weight week on week on week for what I was doing. And literally over a weekend, I think I ran out of the, the free products on a Thursday and I started the paid for products from a group better source on the Friday and from Friday to Monday, I put on four pounds. So what does that mean? It basically meant I had crap Dynabol and then I had good Dynabol. So why do we want you to use an approved source? First off, and refer to some of the comments that we've already made, we want product to arrive here on time. We want product to be dosed as close as possible. And I've talked about one particular company with the certificates of analysis tested at the lab, 97, 98% on point. They are being open and honest, and they're telling you that we're not 100%. It's not exactly 10, it's 9.9 milligrams or whatever, but they're being honest and clear, and you know exactly what you're getting. You want a source like that. You want, I mean, even I could talk about the simple fact that the approved sources, we have support the forum that you're asking these questions on, that supporting these podcasts that we do so that we can give you this kind of information. That's another reason. But literally, it comes down to wanting, as close as you can possibly get, Steve, a guarantee that you are getting what you paid for. You're getting Anavar because that's what it says on the label. You're getting Dynabol because that's what it says on the label. You're getting testosterone because that's what it says on the label. We've all, especially us veterans, had experiences where that's not been the case. And, and as an example, not just our own personal experience, but historically, we've, we've talked about on his podcast, and I think Steve's done other podcasts in the past, where it's got a steroid in it, but it's not the steroid, and it says it is, or, or it's contaminated. We've seen photographs I've got in steroid encyclopedias, Steve, where, again, in the past, and you can find these images online, vials and amps held up to the light, photographs taken with hair in the amp, in the vial, rubber bungs that are disintegrated, this kind of thing. You don't want, you are ultimately, guys, you are putting a medication into your body and you want it to be as sterile, as reliable, as high quality as possible. You are injecting it or you're swallowing it, so ingesting it, into your body. You would expect a tin of baked beans to have no contamination in it. And that's just a tin of baked beans, 20, 30, 30 or 40 cents from the supermarket, Steve. We are talking about injecting or ingesting pills and or liquid steroids into our bodies. So we want that to be as sterile and on point and as reliable and as high quality as possibly. That can come down to the oils or the alcohol that's been used, the pills not crumbling, any number of things. We want that company to be as close to a pharmaceutical giant type company as possible in their habits and in their quality. Don't you think so, Steve? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we want to put stuff in our body that's not toxic. We want to put stuff in our body that's not going to kill us. There was a guy posted the other day. He injected from a random source, went not on an approved source, ended up in the hospital for 10 days, and the doctors didn't even know what was wrong with him. I mean, so, I mean, just they said it was some type of sepsis or something, but it just shows you he injected dirty gear and look what happened. So we don't, obviously we don't want that to happen. So next I want to talk about, and this has to do with injecting. So it kind of flows right into his rotating site. So, you know, ro rotating sites is very important. And, um, you know, we talk about this a lot and a lot of guys, they go into steroid cycles. They know that they're supposed to rotate sites, but they don't because they say, you know what, really, what's the point of rotating sites? I like injecting in this muscle. What's wrong with me injecting this muscle over and over again? Well, I'll tell you, um, if you inject the same muscle no, muscle over again, you're going to develop scar tissue. And that is going to be a problem because in the future, when you try to inject in there, it's like injecting into a brick wall. Number two, abscesses. And abscesses are something that can happen even if you're doing everything right. So you're injecting in the same place over and over again, you're going to increase your chances of abscesses. Now, abscesses generally, they're sterile. They're not dangerous. It's not a big deal. But let's say you keep injecting in the same spot after you develop an abscess. There's a good chance that you will turn a not big deal into a big deal, and you could turn it into an infection. And you could end up like that guy in the hospital the same way. You can end up having to drain that thing. Not a fun experience. We're talking about a huge needle being injected into you that they're going to have to, you know, drain that gunk out of you with a huge needle. So it won't be fun. So very important to rotate sites. Um, you're going to have to learn other areas of the body to inject. There's websites out there that kind of go over and show you different muscles that you can inject. So I like, I like my, my pecs. I like my, my delts. Those are my favorite spots. So you've got, you got two pecs, two delts. That's four spots right there. Glutes are a good spot. That's two more spots. You have quads. Those are so-so. You might you might not like one quad. I don't like my left quad, but my right my right quad is okay. A lot of veins to kind of navigate around. So there's different options when it comes to rotating sites. But the bottom line is you don't want to be injecting the same place over and over and over again. It's just not going to work, and it's going to catch up to you. So mobster. Touch on that really quick, and then we'll we will uh, move on to our next topic. I'll, I'll echo something that Steve just said in terms of scar tissue, and then I'll talk about something else. Right, so scar tissue, guys, and we've seen this with top professional bodybuilders. A Mr. Olympia, who shall remain nameless right now, is having scar tissue worked on his quads. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Has he site injected into that area, or has he torn a muscle? It could be one, it could be the other. I'm going to hint at the fact that he may well have sighted injected into that particular muscle, and he developed scar tissue. And scar tissue then requires breaking down. Now, you either, as Steve said, the abscess is even scar tissue being removed, which means an actual small-ish operation. But again, that's taking a chunk of flesh out of your body. It's going to leave a hole. It's going to leave us another kind of scar. Or having deep tissue massage on that scar. And trust me, guys, it is painful as fuck. It is re the, the, mass the person doing the massage 
is going to have to really go to town on that scar tissue. And that it can end up being almost like a sort of tendon-like and collagen-like mass. And, and, and again, you can have this amazing-looking physique, and then you've got this lump of scar tissue on your, on your glute, because that's where you inject it all the time, your tricep, whatever. And we, if you occasionally look, guys, and again, I've got magazines going back 120 years, you will see a bodybuilder where either they've torn a muscle, which I'm going to say is fine, but it's not fine for the person in question, but it's not scar tissue from not rotating sites, or you will see a scar where they've had to have that not removed. And now they've got no lumps and bumps, but they've got an ugly scar, which hopefully you can't see when they assist just unnecessary I, I i'm guilty of some of the things that steve's talked about i but my preference has always been because i can see what the hell i'm doing and i can get there from my outer quad but i've got a, all that from the my knee to my hip to play with basically i'm calm at all guys so i've got foot to play with if i do trt steve i've done jabs for the guys at the gym the older guys at the gym and i'll probably get them then i've got free heads on my delt i can use or my tricep, but it's really easy if someone else is doing it. My girlfriend's offered to do this almost in a, in a vindictive kind of way. So that's that's number one. The other one actually comes down to, and again, this is your preference, guys. If you use esters, which are relatively short days rather than weeks, cypionate being 16 to 21 days, for example, if you use a short ester or even a no ester type product, the frequency can be as much as daily. And again, if you're using multiple drugs on a cycle with different ester lengths, et cetera, et cetera, it might mean that you're injecting one drug one day and another drug the next day and so on and so forth. So in other words, every fucking day, even with every other day products, you're sticking something in. You cannot. You just, I don't care how hardcore you are, you cannot, unless you're absolutely crazy and just asking for trouble, inject all those drugs every single day into one spot. It makes no sense. There is a tiny argument before, if just as to finish, a tiny argument for site receptor. Now, site injecting, I'm not a big fan of. I don't believe that site injecting, for example, specifically if you inject into your biceps, is going to make your biceps grow. But there is a very small scientific argument to say that the first receptors are going to get hit because that's the place that you put it into. We, we could have a whole topic on that, arguing back and forth on it. But sufficient to say, you it's, it's an absolute must uh, uh, that you, you must rotate sites. You the don't is not to keep injecting into the same place. It's almost impossible to be relaxed. It's almost impossible not to get an auto tissue. It's almost impossible. Again, frequency of injections, the year that we're on cycles, with the years that we're competing, we're rolling the dice potentially, even if the product is sterile, if the needle is sterile, that we didn't wipe down that time, we wasn't completely clean, that we might risk an infection. And again, guys, you can Google these images. On, they literally looks like they're taking a center punch chunk out of a guy's ass. You can see through the fatty tissue, you can see through the skin to the meat below where the abscess has been removed. You can Google these photographs. You can see what they look like. So the do is you must rotate Sites. All right. Our fifth and final topic, time off between cycles. Very important. This kind of ties into the one we did on PCT. But here, here's why it's important to take time off between, between cycles. There's two, two reasons. Number one, you want to re re recover your HBTA. Your HBTA is the brain of your reproductive system. And we know that if you keep pounding away 
and you don't give enough time in between cycles. Let's say you do a 12-week cycle, you come off four-week PCT, six-week PCT, you come off for like four more weeks and you go back on. It's just not enough time. You got to take enough time in between to allow your pituitary glands to come back to the where they were before you started your cycle. Because if you don't allow that, what's going to end up happening is your body is going to forget to produce its own hormones. It's going to forget how to produce its own hormones. You're going to basically be abusing it. So every time you run a cycle, you don't take time enough, enough time in between, your HPTA gets knocked down a peg. So if you started out with like 600 nanograms per deciliter, testosterone levels before you even touch steroids, then you run a steroid cycle. You don't take enough time between. You may only recover to 500 and then you jump back on cycle. Well, you didn't wait till you got back to your baseline, which is should be close to 600. You started at 500. Then the next cycle, you don't take enough time again. And you only get back to 400. Then the next cycle, you only get back to 300. And pretty soon, off of steroids, you're going to have the testosterone levels of a woman. And then you're going to be complaining that you have no libido and you're not making gains anymore. Well, it's because you disrupted your HPTA. You didn't give it enough time to recover in between, you know, at in between. You've got to basically run blood work and confirm, yeah, I'm recovered. So that's number one. Number two is your organ health. Your organs, your livers, your kidneys, your heart, they it needs a break. Anabolic steroids are very stressful. They're very inflammatory in the body. Your joints need a break. Your head hair needs a break. Everything, your skin, you know, and, and this will add up. Let's say you get insomnia on cycle because you, you grow too fast or trend gives you insomnia. Now, if you keep losing hours of sleep and you're not giving yourself enough time in between cycles to make that up and you're stressing out your body over and over, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to gradually and quickly um, reduce your life expectancy. So it's basically going to age you. That's why you see a lot of these bodybuilders who are now in their 50s. They look like they're in their, in their 70s because they abuse steroids and they never came off or they didn't take enough time between cycles or they're on TRT the rest of their life. That's very common. That's common with, with 30-year-olds nowadays. And then you see people dying of, of kidney disease in their 50s. Because they abuse the shit out of their kidneys because they didn't come off. You say you want to give your organs a break. You want to give your body a break in between too. So many, many different reasons for that. So, all right, guys. I mean, Mobster, um, if you want to chime in not really quick and then take us in the disclaimer. But I think it was a great show. I hope everyone learned a lot of do's and don'ts. All right, guys. Nature. We don't grow in a linear fashion. So the idea that you can constantly be pounding away with anabolic steroids or indeed hard, hard training and consistently grow, it's just not going to happen. Even if you did decide to stay on, you won't consistently grow. So what happens in nature is, and with steroids, you will grow and then you will stop a little bit and then you'll grow again and stop a little bit and so on. And that just happens. The, the, the growth at the beginning, when you first start training and you first start using steroids is fantastic, but it slows down. And then it's a step forward and then you stand in there for a while and then another step forward and you stand there for a while. So that's just right there. Another thing that Steve just touched on, and I agree with this, and we've seen this happen. You will see occasionally a top professional bodybuilder come blazing onto the scene 
And for some particular reason, it always seems to be someone who's in their early 20s and they look amazing. They are described as potentially the next Mr. Olympia. They have a great physique and they're only 22, they're only 23. What happens? They're there for maybe two years. And again, we can think of this particular people that have passed away that were arguably potentially going to be Mr. Olympias. Never mind guys that uh, blaze very brightly and then disappear off the scene. And they disappear off the scene because a, a huge amount of what they were doing was down to the anabolics and a huge amount was down to massive, massive, rapid growth and ma undeniably amazing looking physiques, but they don't last. You look at the top professional bodybuilders again. They looked amazing when they were in their teens and they wasn't using any anabolics and they just become enhanced, bigger, more muscular versions. I think a Kai Green is a great example. Of Dexter Jackson is another great example. Look at them when they were younger. They become bigger versions of the, like what they was when they were younger and they were using nothing. When they were 12, 13, 14, they looked like that when they were in their teens and it's like bigger, more muscular versions of what they look like in their teens. More and a quality and more mature degree of muscle. The other guys that come on 100 miles an hour, they're like a racing car, and at some point the engine blows and needs to be replaced. And these guys, it's they're, they're, as Steve said, they have to blows, they get injured. The sheer time on, and a, a train's a great example of this, Steve, they're just constantly revving their engine, constantly being enhanced, constantly, it's just so aging. And and again, they'll either disappear off the sport or they'll look older than they should. Again, think of the top professional bodybuilders with one or two examples that don't, it doesn't apply to, that are retired. And again, Jay Cutler is a great example who still has a great physique. He had a great physique when he was in his teens. He had a great physique when he was winning the Mystery Olympia and he still has for a ex-Mystery Olympia a great physique. And again, Steve mentioned already, still on TRT, still on a low dose amount per week. Phil Heath, another example, on a slightly higher dose of TRT and looks amazing, but looked really, really good on nothing as he came into the sport and then used PEDs. Guys, that's another way of learning. Look at, and Steve's used this analogy, look at athletes from other sports and the reason why they've been able to stay in. A lot of that is not using tons and tons of gear, and a lot of it is down to rest and recovery and rehab. So you can learn from this. You want a long career in bodybuilding, which is what the most, the majority of our listeners are going to be thinking about. You want to look good for as long as possible. Listen to our do's, listen to our don'ts, and take the advice that we've given you and apply that so that you don't just look amazing for a couple of years, that you look amazing for a decade or decades, guys that you look amazing for an old man. It's the kind of advice we want to give you. Less injuries, less usually with the PEDs, and great-looking physiques for a very long time. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It is our view and is based on our experience and views on the topic, a podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, with the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.